way, we're getting ready to start our song service. We have the words up on the screen, so if you're not familiar, you can follow along, and hopefully you can sing with us. Shake, 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 shake the devil off. Shake, 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 shake the devil off. Shake, 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 shake the devil off. In the name of Jesus, shake the devil off. He's under my feet, shake the devil off. He's under my feet, shake the devil off. He's under my feet, shake the devil off. In the name of Jesus, shake the devil off. Satan, I rebuke you, shake the devil off. Satan, I rebuke you, shake the devil off. Satan, I rebuke you, shake the devil off. In the name of Jesus, shake the devil off. Shake the devil off. Go back to the top. Shake, shake, shake. Shake the devil off. Shake, shake, shake. Shake the devil off. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Shake the devil off. Next song is I've Been Redeemed. As much as you please, you can talk about me. Just as much as you please, you can talk about me. Just as much as you please, I talk about you while I'm on my knees. All my sins are washed away. I've been redeemed. Could we stand for opening prayer, please? We can come across and join hands like we did on Sunday night. Be great.
please bow your heads. Dear Lord, thank you again for waking us up this morning and see another day. Forgive us for our sins. Thank you for letting us come out here safely. And bless those that are still on their way. And be with those that weren't able to come. Be with the sick and shut in. Um, heal them. And bless that we may hear and be touched like we haven't been before. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Maybe be seated. I want to welcome you to our second evening of our revival, Lord Make Me Over. How many of you were here Sunday night? Raise your hands. How many of you were blessed Sunday night? Raise your hands. I want to welcome you again for coming out. And how many um, people are here tonight are not members of our church? Can I have you raise your hand, please? We have one. We can have an usher come to the front and we'll get it, we'll get it in the way out. Okay. Remember, um, our revival now is uh, Friday night, Saturday evening, Sunday evening, Wednesday night, and Friday night, 7 to 8, ending on Sabbath the 16th at 11 o'clock hour. And just want to welcome you and thank you for coming again tonight. Want to know uh, who was the first person here tonight? If they know, raise their hands. Does anyone know who was here first? No. Okay. Well, okay. Who um, has just recently moved to Las Vegas? Raise your hand. Who has lived in Las Vegas uh, under two years? All right. We have a uh, studying together by Mark Finley for you and for you. You already have one. All right. Winter, do you have one of these? All right. Okay. Was there any more hands? Who has been here less than two years? All right. Who is uh, just starting college or about to start college, raise their hands. All right. Tonight's lucky winner of the concordance goes to you, sir. All right. See, there are things each night. So you want to come early because you can get a gift, or there's other categories throughout the night where you can get a gift. See, like me, I, for doing this, I got the keys to the church. Uh, all right, just kidding. That wasn't true. Anyway, um, we're going to welcome you again, and we'll go on with all our service, and we'll go into our prayer for the evening. Thank you. Can we say amen for Evangelist Tony? Amen. amen, amen. Being the gift man is not always an easy job, and I think he does it with class and dignity. What do you say? Welcome out to our second night. So good to see you here. Before our prayer time, I want to make you aware of a couple of changes in our program. Uh, we are going to be handing out these forms shortly. On these forms, it has your name, address, phone number, email, and a slot for questions. All right? We want everyone that's here to fill this out. We'd like to know who's coming on a nightly basis. In addition, you may have some questions. This may be all new to you, and we want to make sure that we're able to answer your questions. Starting next week, we're going to have a question and answer session. 
All right, and so we want to make sure we answer all of your questions. So please, please fill one of these out. I'm going to ask Sister Wailena and Jezreel to bring those up. If you haven't gotten one of these, could you please raise your hand? Everyone who hasn't got one of these, raise your hand, and we're going to make sure that you get one in your hand. Make sure you fill it out. Now, you're saying, Pastor Washington, I'm going to fill it out, but when are we going to give it to you? Well, at the end of the service, after I dismiss, our lovely ushers will be at the door with offering buckets. We'd be very happy if you leave a small donation to our church to continue the services of our church. When you put your donation in that bucket, just drop this in that bucket. We'll get it. We'll answer your questions. We'll stay in touch with you. We'll pray for you. We'll give you additional Bible studies. If you need it, we will make sure you are taken care of today. Now, I want to tell you all a brief story while we're passing this out. My wife and I went walking this morning, and it was an ugly cloud. And she said, you know, I don't know if we should go out. You know, we usually go walking in the morning. I don't know if we should go out today. It looks like it's going to be a storm. I said, no, honey, come on, let's go out. Let's persevere. Everything is going to be all right. And we went walking, and wouldn't you have it, saints, there was a beautiful rainbow waiting for us. Somebody say amen. When we went turn that corner and saw that rainbow, the main thing we thought about was God's love. And I just want to encourage you tonight, if you're going through something, persevere. And when you turn that corner, I'll promise you God will give you that rainbow to encourage you to keep going. What do you say? Amen. Has everyone been served? Has everyone been served? All right. Please fill these out. Make sure you get them to us. You don't have one. You can take mine, brother. Here you go. And make sure you put them in the offering bucket on your way out. We want to stay in touch with you, and we think that's the best way. Now we're going to move into our prayer time. And as we move into our prayer time tonight, I told you on Sunday night, every night you're going to have an opportunity to have an encounter with God. On Sunday night, we prayed for healing old wounds. How many of you all were blessed by that prayer? Amen? I know I was. And tonight we are praying for family relationships. Family relationships. No one can hurt you like a family member can. Amen? And it's so important for us to have strong family units between the husband and the wife, between the mother and the father, between the child and the parents, and even extended family. Some people live with in-laws. Some people live with grandparents. And so tonight we're going to pray for family relationships. So as the musician plays, if you'd like to pray for your family relationship, we're asking that you come to the front. This evening we have Elder Brown with us, and Elder Brown will be doing our prayer this evening. So we're going to have him come to the front. As you come to the front, take the hand of the person beside you. And we're praying for family relationships. If you want to lift someone up in prayer tonight, a son, a daughter, a brother, a mother, a father, come on to the front as we pray for family relationships here at the Lord Make Me Over Revival. If you stay in your seats, please, let's kneel before the Lord as we prepare to pray. Now take a few minutes to yourself, take about two minutes to speak to God on your own about these family relationships, 
and then Elder Brown will lead us to the throne of grace from the front. Father, in your word, you've said that if your people that are called by your name will but humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, that you will heal, that you will hear, and that you will heal our land. Tonight, Lord, we take the first step. We are humbling ourselves in prayer. We humble ourselves before you and recognize you, Lord, as a mighty God, King of kings and Lord of lords, the beginning and the end. We come, Lord, confessing, Lord, that we are not all that we should be. For as good as you've been to us, we have been ungrateful, Lord. But we thank you for grace. We thank you for mercy. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that is present among us this evening. And as we come before you, Lord, at this revival, seeking, Lord, to be renewed in our zeal towards obedience towards you. We think tonight's particularly, Lord, about our family relationships. The pain that we have caused and the pains that other, others have caused us. And Lord, tonight we ask for a forgiving spirit. Lord, that you'll give us the strength to forgive those who have caused us pain. And I ask, Lord, that you'll give us the humility and the sorrow, Lord, for the pain that we've caused to others, particularly in our family. And, Lord, we ask for your Holy Spirit healing today where we have pains, where we've been hurt, Lord, where we've been lied to, where words, Lord, have cut and harmed us. Lord, we ask for your healing that we might forgive. We might forgive, Lord, as you have forgiven us. And Lord, I pray for new, renewed relationships, Lord. Husbands and wives, family members, cousins, parents and children. Lord, you know our needs. And we're asking, Lord, for the outpouring of your Holy Spirit, Lord. 
to bring about change hearts and change lives, Lord, and that you will strengthen our relationships, Lord, that we will have the support that we need within family, encouragement from one another, safety, Lord. I ask that you will move among us today. Give us a mind, Lord, to leave here and to make a phone call if we need to make a phone call. A mind to leave here and to say sorry if we need to say sorry. A mind to leave here and to ask forgiveness if we need to do that. And a mind to leave here to say, I have forgiven you. As Christ has forgiven us. We're asking for healing tonight, Lord. Lord, that you will take hard hearts and soften them. Lord, where we have closed down because we no longer trust or believe, Lord, I pray that we will have revival. Revival of spirit, revival of courage. Lord, I'm asking for life more abundantly through your son, Jesus. And then bless the word tonight, Lord. Get us ready that we may hear the word. Your word says that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let the word tonight change us, Lord. Be with our speaker, Pastor Washington, Lord. Continue to pour out your Holy Spirit, Lord, that his words and the message, Lord, will be well received like seed in good soil. And then, Lord, we'll be sure to give you the praise, the honor, and the glory because it's always due unto your name. This we pray in the name of Jesus. And let us say amen. Amen. Amen.
Cause I don't know what to do Now what if I choose The wrong thing to do I'm so afraid Afraid of disappointing you So I need to talk to you And ask you for your guidance Especially today When my life is so cloudy Guide me until I'm sure I'll open my heart Oh yeah My hopes and dreams Are fading fast I'm all burnt out And I'll be the one to make sure.
Tonight, I ask you to open up your hearts. Open up your hearts to the presence of the Lord. Tonight, truly come and worship the Lord our God. I know it's been a hard week, and it's so good to see so many of you on a Wednesday night. Some of you worked really hard today, but you're in the right spot. There's no other place that I would rather be, and I'm pretty sure you feel the same way. For these two weeks, we're asking God to make us over, to give us another chance. It's an opportunity for you to renew your heart with him. Sunday's night's message was entitled, Lord, Make Me Over. And tonight's message is entitled, Breaking the Yoke, Lifting the Burden. How many of you need a burden lift this evening? I know I do. So as we stand together, let's pray and ask God's presence to be among us tonight. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I give my heart to you now. Lord, all you have to do is say one word. And for the rest of our lives, we can be changed. So, Lord, say that word tonight. Please remove me from the equation. Lord, I feel my humanity. But, Lord, I yearn to be shielded by your divinity. So, please, Lord, make me over again that your people may be blessed in a special way. In the name of Jesus, let all those who believe say, Amen. You may be seated. I would like to begin this way. Turn with me your Bibles to Matthew chapter 14. The book of Matthew chapter 14. 
I'll be reading your hearing from the New International Version, verses 13 through 24. Ushers, you can let everyone in who's in the back as we prepare to get started. And once again, let me say it is a pleasure to see you all tonight. Thank you so much for being here. And we hope to see you again throughout the revival. Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 through 24. I'll be reading this in your hearing. When Jesus heard what happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed the sick. Amen. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place. It's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. We only have five loaves of bread and, and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said, my Lord. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Amen. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves, because the wind was against it. Amen. The golden desert sand pelted their olive-colored faces that had been tanned by the midday sun. It had been a tiring and exhaustive day for the twelve and a troubling day for Jesus. Earlier in the day, he had visited his hometown and ministered there. And he was greeted with insults and questions about his paternity. The whole region was abuzz with his presence. But his friends and the people who grew, he grew up with and the people who knew him best hurt him the most. Peter would put his hand on his sword every time someone shouted an insult at Jesus, but then he would be shamed for being an overly aggressive brute as he watched Jesus take the insults like a humble lamb, but with the class of God. Jesus never 
retaliated. Just when the hot Middle Eastern day seemed to be improving, Jesus got terrible news. John the Baptist, his cousin, had been beheaded. Up to this point, Jesus had faced the one-on-one pressure of the devil. He had faced unbelieving disciples. He had faced every disease known to man. He had faced a raging storm, cowardly demons, and jealous Pharisees. But this is the first time he faced the death of a loved one. This hurt Jesus to the point of having him to withdraw for some well-deserved private time. And I am so glad we serve a high priest that has been touched by the feeling of our infirmities. It's hard to lose someone, and you can rest assured that when you do lose someone, Jesus is there to comfort you because he knows what it feels like himself. As Jesus ventured farther out in the boat, he realized he was not alone. Like Midwestern wheat fields waving in the wind, thousands waved their hands at Jesus, each desperately seeking the Messiah. Immediately, Jesus forgot about himself and went about the work that he is so good at. Before the day was over, listen to this, before the day was over, 5,000 got medical attention and were fed, and that was just the men. As the last worshipers made fish scrap sandwiches to take home, Jesus finally had time to commune with his father. He sent the disciples away on the boat and went up to the mountain. Every muscle in his body ached, but nothing would stop him from communing with God. Later that night, the disciples lounged in the smelly belly of the fishing boat. They reflected on Jesus. They had seen him today as healer and friend and counselor and cousin and teacher, but little did they know they were about to see him in his most important role. Go back with me to Matthew 14. And now let's go on to verse 25. Matthew 14 and verse 25. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come out on the water with you. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, watch this, and walked on water as he came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, beginning to sink, and cried out, Lord, save me! Like saying, sick him to a dog. Like putting a red cape before a bull like a beautiful flower to a bee, like two magnets being pulled together, Jesus is drawn to his people when they are in need of salvation. 
Jesus will not resist any of his children when they cry out, Lord, save me now. I'm in trouble. I need you. I need your hand. Jesus will never resist one of his saints who cries out, save me now. Who says amen to the word of God? Peter felt as if this was it, that he would drown. His feet plunged beneath the murky green water. His legs and midsection began to get saturated. But before his elbow could touch the water, the strong hand of the master reached low with compassion and pulled him out of the water with strength. And Peter was saved. Jesus is in the business of saving people. Amen and amen tonight. I was sinking deep in sin far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, seeking to rise no more. Then the master, I said the master of the sea, heard my despairing cry, and from the waters, what? Lifted me. Now safe am I. If that's your testimony tonight, let me hear you say amen. So if Jesus is the Messiah, and if Jesus is our Savior, there are a few things that we need to understand about salvation. A lot of people know about Jesus, but a lot of people don't understand salvation. And tonight we're going to learn a little about salvation. First of all, the first thing I would like to let you know tonight, we all need a Savior. Do you agree with that, church family? We all need a Savior. In this day and age of medical advances and technology, you can be convinced that this world is getting better. You can fool yourself. You can say, man, I, I get to microwave my food. I get to order movies from home. I have tires on my car that if a nail goes in it, it doesn't go flat. I mean, you can fool yourself to think that this world is getting better. We're on the cusp of cancer breakthroughs and Alzheimer breakthroughs and all different types of medical breakthroughs. And you could say to yourself, why in the world do I need a savior? Have you ever wondered what does Bill Gates pray for? Have you ever wondered that? Huh? Have you ever wondered what does Oprah pray for? Huh? What does someone who has everything pray for? If you have riches on this earth, you can convince yourself I don't need a savior. But Isaiah chapter 59 says something different. Let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Isaiah chapter 59. Isaiah 59 says something completely different. Beginning at verse 1, the word of God says, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear, but your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from him so that he will not hear. For your hands are stained with blood, your fingers with guilt, your lips have spoken lies, and your tongue mutters wicked things. All of us are evil. All of us have sin within us, and because of that sin, we are separated from God. Imagine God on a shore, us in a boat, and all throughout our lives, we've been slowly shifting away from God. If left to yourself, you would run from God. You wouldn't come close to God. 
our desires are naturally evil. We want to stay away from God. Let's go to the book of Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. We're going through the Bible tonight. I want you to write these texts down so you can study them on your own. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. Let's read that together. For all have what? And come short of what? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You know, when I was younger, I used to tell people that I was Denzel Washington's nephew. All right? Donovan Washington, Denzel Washington. It made sense. All right? But one day in high school, uh, somebody looked at me and they said, you know, you come a little short of Denzel Washington looks. Your head is a little bigger than his. Your nose is a little broader than his. And you're just not that good looking. And so I had to come to the realization I wasn't related to Denzel Washington. I was coming short. But on a more serious level, we have come short of the glory of God. Many things that we do, angels have to shield their faces. Huh? Remember the big craze, what would Jesus do? Have you ever asked yourself what he would do? If he was sitting beside you watching TV, huh? Don't tell on yourself. You don't have to tell me, all right? Have you ever asked what he would do if he was looking over your shoulder while you were on the computer? Better yet, have you ever asked what would Jesus do if he saw what you did on Saturday night? We all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You know, when I was a kid, the only time that I would act good at home, I wasn't that bad, but... The times we were very, very good is when it was mom's payday. Anybody do that? Huh? First and the 15th, you were an angel, all right, because you wanted something from mom, all right? That's when I cleaned my room. That's when I was the best. Oh, hello, mother. Welcome home. Can I, put, can I go get your slippers for you? That's when I was at my best. That's when I did the right thing all the time. But most of the time, I wasn't doing the right thing. And in our Christian walks, we know how to be perfect on church day, but what are we doing the other six days of the week? We're falling short of the glory of God. So first of all, we all need a Savior. Amen? Secondly, the second thing we need to know about salvation is this, and I want everybody to get this. I want everyone to listen to me. The second thing we need to know about salvation is salvation was not an afterthought. Are you listening to me? Salvation was not an afterthought. When Adam and Eve sinned, God wasn't sitting up in heaven saying, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Uh, they're in trouble. We better come up with something. Salvation was not an afterthought. When we get in trouble, we call 911 and someone responds to us. But when humankind was in trouble, hallelujah, God already had a plan. Let's look to the Word of God to confirm this. The Word of God says in 1 Peter, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 20. First Peter chapter 1. You know what? Let's begin at verse 18. For you know that it was not with perishable things 
such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of the lamb, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Hallelujah, somebody. I am so glad that God had a plan when we messed up. Now the question is, and oh what love God had for us, because we wouldn't do it. If you knew humans had the possibility of messing up, why create them in the first place? Huh? Huh? If you had to come up with a plan that said, if they messed up, I have to lose my life, how many of you would have created human beings? None of us. But John 3.16 says what? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. In the councils of eternity before this world was formed, God put a plan in place that said if Adam and Eve should fail, I will give my life so they could come to heaven with me. Jesus couldn't bear eternity without his children. Whew. What great love God has for us. What a marvelous love he has for us. What a marvelous love. These young people at the church all the time, Pastor Washington, can I drive your car? Can I drive your truck? Can I? No, you're going to wreck it. No, no, and I don't need a plan to make sure my truck stays intact. The plan is, you're not driving my truck. But Jesus knew we would wreck it. But he loved us enough to let us be created anyway. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. So first of all, we all need a Savior. Second of all, salvation was not an afterthought. I want to show you one more text on that. Revelation. Let's go over a few chapters. Revelation 13. Revelation 13 and chapter 8. No, Revelation 13 and verse 8. Sorry about that. Revelation 13 and verse 8. All of the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the book of life, belonging to the Lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. Before this world was created, Jesus had already made the decision, if my children mess up, I'll die for them so they'll have the chance to come home. And it was no guarantee people would come back. Did you hear that? He was dying for the hope that some of his children would come home. What a marvelous Savior. Do you believe that, saints? Do you believe that? Do you understand the love of Jesus, the love that he has for you, the love that surpasses anyone on this earth? He loves you so much that he was willing to put himself in harm's way so you might live. Woo. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So we all need a Savior. Secondly, salvation was not an afterthought. But here's the third thing, and here's where a lot of people get messed up. Salvation can be lost. You are not once saved, always saved. Are you listening to me? 
Some of you may be hearing this for the first time tonight, but I'm here to let you know, if you were saved in 1952, and since then, you have been one of the frequent visitors of Texas Station and the Bellagio and the Rio, they got you on the wall smiling because you spend so much money there, and you've been drinking and smoking and doing your thing, and you haven't made your peace right with God, there's a good chance you could have lost your salvation. There is no such thing biblically as once saved, always saved. And I'm going to prove it based on the word of God. I gave everyone a handout tonight. If you have it, raise it in, in the air. If you don't and you need one, our ushers have extras. And I gave everybody a handout tonight. On the left side of that handout are several texts dealing with salvation. All right, that we're not going to go in tonight, but you can study on your own. On the right side, it says commonly asked question regarding salvation. And it says this. Read it with me. Read the question with me. Doesn't the Bible teach that once you come to Jesus, you can never lose your salvation? John 10, 28 states, and I will give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. There are a lot of people who believe that I can come to the altar call, I can come to Jesus Christ, I can live any way I want, and in the last days, because I made that decision years ago, I will be saved. And I'm here to let you know tonight that you're in deep trouble if you believe that. That is a very, very dangerous teaching because it's basically spitting on the grace of God. Jesus, I know you died for me. Jesus, I know you suffered for me, but I'm not going to live like you. I'm going to live like the devil and expect you to clean me up when it's time to go into the kingdom. That is false. That's like putting a dirty pig in one of these dog shows. It's just not going to happen. They're not going to let you in. It's not going to happen. Listen to what this says. Coming to Jesus, accepting his forgiveness by faith, receiving his grace, we receive the gift of what, everybody? That's based on Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. That says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. If you're hearing it for the first time tonight, hear it now. You can't work your way to heaven. You can't do it. All right. On your best day, your righteousness is still filthy rags. You can't work your way to heaven. There's nothing you can do to give favor to make it to heaven. If you could work your way to heaven, that means Jesus died for nothing. You are your own personal savior. And there are a lot of people living under the burden saying, am I doing enough to make it to heaven? I need to get myself right to make it to heaven. What you need to do is accept the grace and the gift of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe. Sin has left a crimson stain, but he has washed us whiter than snow. Hallelujah. Now it goes on to say salvation is a free gift. Listen, if I give you $100, don't show up at my house the next day trying to cut my grass, all right? If I give it to you as a gift, 
Don't, well, I got to pay you back, Pastor. I got, it was a gift. <laughs> it was a gift. All right? I see you changing my oil. You show up at my house every day doing something new, trying to pay off this gift. It was a gift. It was something I gave to you. Salvation is a free gift. But let me add, saints of God, it was not cheap. It was free, but it was not cheap. When the Philippian jailer asked, what must I do to be saved? Paul responded, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. This goes on to say belief is a function of the will. So if there was a time in your life that you chose to accept Jesus, there can also be a time where you choose to reject him. Now, let me tell you something very important about this once saved, always saved. Jesus doesn't take his salvation back. Guess what? You give it back. You take that gift and you say, you know what? I don't want it. Jesus doesn't leave anybody. You leave him. You leave him. Jesus doesn't leave anybody. And there are so many people who say, man, I, you know, I got, I got to pull myself together before I get back to God. You'll never do it. You'll never do it. All right? Because if you can put yourself back together again, what in the world does Jesus exist for? The word says he lives forevermore to in intercede on behalf of us. You have to use your function of the will to believe in Jesus Christ. Who says amen to that? Now, let's move to the end of this. The word which Paul uses for castaway in 1 Corinthians 9.27 is the same word that is used in Jeremiah 6.30 for those who are burned and ultimately lost. In John 10.28, when we come to Jesus and receive eternal life, just as his coming into the heart by faith brings life, our unbelief brings spiritual death. Let's read this last part. We cannot be unborn, but we can die. Nothing can take us from his hand except our own choice. Let me illustrate this. How many of you have children? Raise your hand real quick. How many of you have children? When you give your kid a gift... It's the best thing in the world, right? They're so excited. They're so happy. What happens a week later? Huh? <laughs> they're done with it. Huh? Huh? At first, they're in the store falling all out. Mom, I got to have it. Ah, ah, ah. Week later, guess what happens? They're done with it. They're done with it. You know why? They chose to be done with it. They had a gift and they chose to be done with it. And it's the same thing with our salvation. You can choose to be done with it. Let's go to the screen as we close. Let's go to the screen as we close. Let's turn the lights down. Let's go to the screen. The story is told of an old slave who had lived all his life on a plantation in South Carolina. He was a good man and a hard worker. He loved many things, but he loved nothing more than horses. During his lifetime, he had not gotten to see many, but the master had just acquired a new one. And to his delight, he was charged with taking care of it. 
He took good care of it. He treated the horse like a family member. People from far and wide marveled at how well the horse was taking care of it. The master had a son. Both the master and the son hated how much attention the horse and the slave were getting. So they decided to teach the slave a lesson. This is a yoke. Yokes are designed for beasts of burden to carry heavy loads and to do tough labor. The animals are collared around the neck and they pull whatever the owner sees fit. Most yokes are designed for two animals. So on a particular day, they invited the slave out to the field. To the slave's horror, the champion racehorse that he had groomed and cared for was attached to a two-animal yoke. The horse was being whipped and forced to pull an 800-pound burden. We are going to kill this horse, they shouted. And if you object, we're going to kill you. The grizzled slave didn't care. He ran to the aid of the horse. He placed his neck on the other side of the yoke, the side of the yoke that was unoccupied. He pulled and pulled. The burden, the 800-pound burden began to move. But the horse was still struggling. And with all the adrenaline-enhanced strength he had, the slave removed the horse from the yoke, angrily threw the yoke to the ground, and broke it in two. The horse went free, running into the wilderness. And the slave collapsed where he stood, dying knowing that he had set a loved one free. You and I, too, have had heavy burdens. The devil has whipped us for the majority of our lives. There are many people who throughout Earth's history have never felt a day without a heavy burden. And if you don't know tonight, that heavy burden is sin. That heavy burden is around your neck. That heavy burden has a hold on your life. Sin is all through us. It's all around us. And it's a burden that's too much for us to carry. And if left unchecked, it will destroy us. It will kill us. But I praise God there's somebody who cares about us. I praise the Lord. There's somebody who is willing to groom us and love us. I praise the Lord that there is a somebody who's willing to break the yoke of sin and lift the heavy burden. And that person is none other than Jesus Christ, our Lord. He loves us. He cares for us. And he will break the yoke and lift the heavy burden. And he'll do it by saving our souls. Oh yes, you need a savior. Oh yes, you cannot save yourself. And oh yes, the most important thing you need to understand, once saved is not always saved. 
if you're not sure where you stand with Jesus Christ, you have an opportunity to get right with him. You have an opportunity to assure your salvation. You have an opportunity to get right with God. Jesus put himself in harm's way for you. A speeding train was coming at your existence and Jesus pushed you out of the way and took the train head on. And he said, follow me. Follow me and I'll lead you to a place where you don't have to cry anymore. Follow me and I'll lead you to a place where you won't have to worry about a bill for the rest of your life. Follow me and I'll make sure that even if everything in your life is messed up, I'll give you the peace that passes all understanding. Follow me and I'll break the yoke and lift the heavy burden. The devil is a liar. The devil is defeated and you will be blessed because I paid it all for you. I hung on that cross for you. I want to save you. Just like Peter fell into that water and said, Lord, save me. You have to realize you're sinking deep in sin. You're sinking under the water. And before you go under, why not reach a hand out and say, Jesus, save me. Save me, Lord. Save me, Lord. So, with every head bowed and every eye closed, the appeal tonight is simple. Appeal tonight is simple. Jesus wants to save you. You don't have to get yourself together. He'll do it for you. Quit listening to the devil. Eventually, you're going to die or be exposed from that sin. Somebody's going to find out about it or else you're going to lose your life from it. So why not give it to him? He's already suffered for it, so why not give it to him? Somebody needs to be made over tonight, and somebody needs to accept the salvation of Jesus Christ. If that's you, stand to your feet wherever you are and accept that salvation. Praise the Lord. The ice is broken. There's one. Is there another? Oh, Jesus is calling you. He says, I can help you through this time. I can strengthen you. I can be there for you. Lord, make me over again. Give me another chance. Somebody else needs to accept salvation tonight. It's a free gift, but it's not cheap. I have to close. I'm over my time. No matter who you are, just stand to your feet. Praise the Lord, sister. Praise the Lord. God is working in this building. And he's calling you. Oh, this can be the first day of the rest of your life. Do you know that after this day, God can look at you as if you've never sinned before? You can be clean inside. Lord, make me over again. Who are you today? Is there anyone else? God's calling you. Lord, I want to be made over again. Break the yoke of sin in my life. Praise the Lord, sister. Praise the Lord. We see you. Oh, and God sees you. Now you may say, well, I'm on the right track, Pastor, but I want to recommit. I want to serve God like never before. If you want to be included in that prayer, stand to your feet as well. I want to serve him fervently. I want to serve him hard with all of my abilities. If that's you, stand to your feet. 
Stand to your feet. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for what we've heard tonight. We bless your name. We know great things are happening. Lord, there were three who stood and accepted your salvation. Lord, I don't leave the results to me. I leave it to you. May they not be disappointed in their decision. May you walk with them. May they not be discouraged by the devil's minions who may be in or outside the church. And Lord, strengthen them that they may know you in Jesus' name. Also, Lord, for those who have stood, who want to strengthen their walk, bless them in a special way. We love you and we thank you. In the name of Jesus, let everyone say amen. You may be seated. God bless you all. Please accept my apologies. It's 8.05 tonight. We're five minutes over. We're going to correct that. Friday night, we're going to be done at 8. So please accept my apologies. At the door, the ushers will be at the door collecting offering. Please drop us a little something. But everyone, please drop your card. Fill out your card for me. Take a few seconds. Drop it in that bucket. For those who rose, stood for salvation, I know who you are. I'll be in touch with you. We'll be talking from there. Friday night's message, 7 o'clock, I know the judge. It's a message about the second coming. You don't want to miss this. Call up your friends. Call up the TV station. Call up a neighbor and say, listen, you got to come to church with me Friday night. I expect to see all of you here. It's the Sabbath. What else are you doing? Also, if you didn't get school supplies Sunday night, say, for instance, you're a young person, you don't have all the school supplies you need. We have plenty in the lobby. Our members were so generous in donating school supplies. Please take advantage of that and enjoy that. God bless you. We love you.